Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Hey there, I'm so glad you can join me because today I'm going to be exploring how do you get your kids to talk? I'm going to give you my child therapist inside trade secrets. Do you get frustrated when you pick your kids up? I know I used to as well. You pick your kids up and you're like, hey guys, how was your day? Good. What happened? Not much. Sound familiar? Some kids are talkers and some kids are not. So I'm going to give you three pointers on how to get your kids to talk because I talk to kids for a living. And so I've had to fine tune my like verbal judo to be able to get kids to talk because I've got to talk to them for 50 minutes at a time. And it can be a really long session if I don't know how to get kids to open up. So I'm going to tell you how I do it and hopefully it'll help you get your kids to talk a little bit more as well. So the first one is really important. And these are, you know, like everything I ever talk about, these are going to seem super simplistic, but it's in the simple stuff that, that really good things can happen. Nothing has to be complicated in life. I think it's just a matter of knowing what those simple things are, and then you're able to make some headway. So the first one that I learned pretty quickly with kids in my sessions is that we as parents talk too much. And I, as a new therapist, talked too much. I wasn't comfortable with the silence. I would ask a question and then, you know, 10 seconds, 20 seconds would go by and I would feel really awkward and uncomfortable. And so I would fill in that silence really quickly. Oh, do you think it's this? Or do you think it's that? I would give them all sorts of suggestions because I took that silence as them not knowing. And what I've learned both in my practice and with my own kids is when you're silent, kids will eventually start talking more. It's weird. It really is weird because you ask a question and then give a little space in between your next question and hold your tongue. Don't jump in there and give advice. And we're going to talk about that because that's actually a little teaser. That's number two. So hold your tongue and listen. The number one thing that kids tell me in my therapy practice when I'm saying, you know, why don't you open up to your mom or why don't you open up to your dad? They say consistently, they don't listen. They want to pipe in with their own story, or they want to tell me how it was when they were a kid. And I know I'm guilty of that too, because I love to tell stories as you could probably tell. And, um, I feel like, oh, I have a really good story that would go with this. Let me tell them about how it happened to me when I was a kid. And we might feel like that's a great way to connect, but unfortunately our kids feel like we're lame. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's just true. They're like, I don't care about what happened to you when you were, when you were 10, this is about me. And I mean, I'm not saying that kids always feel that way. Our stories can be really helpful and connect us. But when kids are venting to us or they're telling us their problems, you don't want to initially jump in with your story about how you handled it when you were a kid, listen for a while, let them vent. So that's number one. Number two, which I already kind of gave you a teaser to is don't give advice unless they want it. This is a huge thing because that is another thing that kids tell me in my therapy practice, especially with older kids, like the tweens and the teens, 
whenever I'm trying to build a relationship up with their parent, you know, I'm trying to figure out what's, what's the barrier, what's holding them back. You know, parents will come into my office and they'll say, she just won't talk to me or he just won't talk to me. And I don't know why. And so when I start to explore it with them in therapy consistently, and I mean, almost every single time they will tell me, I don't want to talk to her because she just pops in and gives me advice. And I don't want advice. I just want someone to listen. I am completely guilty of this. So I will tell you a story because I love stories. Um, and I try to make them about my own kids, um, and less about my clients so that I'm keeping confidentiality. So that's why I'm always talking about my kids because it's, I can throw them out there because I'm their mom. So my oldest daughter, when she was a little bit younger, she would come into the, she'd come into the car after school and she would tell me a social situation that happened. And she'd be like, you know, blah, 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 isn't talking to me anymore. And I don't know why. And then she would go into what happened and I would clearly know why I'd be like, oh my goodness. Well, she's not talking to you because you said that to her. And that was really rude. And even if you didn't mean it to be rude, she totally took it as rude. And so what you need to do is go back tomorrow and let her know that you made a mistake and blah, 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 blah. I'd go on and on and on. And I felt like, you know, I get kids. I talk to kids for a living. I sit and listen to problems all the time. And she at, at this young age was pretty socially clueless and she didn't see it. She wouldn't see it. And so I, as the mom would swoop in and be like, I totally got this. This is how you have to handle it. And what I was doing inadvertently and not aware of is I was shutting her down because she would do this often. And I would do that often. I would come in and tell her what she did wrong and what she needs to do to fix it. And I was, I was sending her the message. I didn't know this at the time, but I was sending her the message that she was to blame every time. And you would think, I mean, as I tell the story, it seems really obvious. Yeah, of course you would think that, like, why would you do that? But it's not obvious when you're doing it. And lots of parents do that. And even though intellectually, I know not to do that because, you know, I tell other parents, Hey, don't do that. It's different with your own children. And, you know, that's a theme with these episodes is, you know, I'm still a parent and I'm still human. And when I'm that close to a situation with my own kids, I'm mom, I'm not therapist. And I make just as many mistakes as every other parent. So we're all real. We're all human. Nobody is, nobody makes zero mistakes in parenting, even a child therapist. So, so eventually she stopped talking to me about really important things. Uh, She would get in the car and she'd be like, you know, I would say, Hey, how was school today? And she'd be like, good. And that was it. I wouldn't really get too much information. And so finally, one day I said to her, you know, you don't really tell me. Well, actually, you know what happened? Something big happened. And eventually she couldn't hold it in any longer. And so like a week later she cried and she was saying, you know, all this drama had been going on with her friends. And so I said, why didn't you tell me about all that? I mean, I had no idea that for a week you've been going through all this drama. You didn't say anything. You didn't look upset. You know, I was clueless. And she said, I don't really like to tell you those things because you're just going to tell me what I did wrong. You're not going to listen. You're just going to give me advice. Ouch. Big, big ouch. I was like, oh crap. I'm messing up with my own child (laughs) because we are all going to mess our kids up at some point. 
And so I had to go back and say, I am so sorry. I am doing what I tell other parents not to do. And I said, thank you for letting me know that. And let's make a deal. So starting now, I promise to not lecture you or give you advice or do anything other than listen to you. You can vent to me and I won't say anything. And if you want advice or you want some input from me, how about you literally tell me that? Tell me that you want some suggestions on this. And when you literally tell me that, then I will pipe in and I will help you. Otherwise, I'm just going to reflect. So we had that talk. And then a week or two later, she came into the car and she started to vent about a situation that was going on at school. And mentally, I'm like, okay, Natasha, you keep quiet. You bite that tongue. No advice. Just listen. And so she told me something um, kind of ridiculous where I was like, oh my gosh, you did not do that in my head. Right. And I was like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't ask her like, why would she do that? Don't tell her that she needs to go back. So I was quiet. And I just said, I just validated her total therapy word, but I just reflected, you know, I would say, Ooh, that sounds like a rough day. And in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, it was rough because like, you totally should not have said that. And you set this whole chain in motion, but I was quiet and she was mad at a person when it really, to me, did not warrant it. It was kind of her fault, but I didn't say that. And so I was just like, yeah, that must've been rough that she stopped talking to you. And then, um, after a while I was just like, "Mm mm-hmm and validating. And in my head, I was thinking she is going to call me on this because this does not feel like a natural conversation. This feels really weird and stilted, but the weird thing is she kept talking more and more. And she opened up and gave me more and more facts that I would never have normally gotten. We had a really long, well, she had a really long conversation with me. It was not two ways, you know? And I think that's kind of how conversations a lot go with our older kids and maybe even our little kids, you know, they're going to be one-sided and they like that that way. I think it's actually human nature. I, I think even with adults, when someone lets us vent and we're talking and they're not interrupting with their own stuff, they're just listening to you and reconfirming that they hear you or how it would have felt for them. Then we talk more. So there was never a point where she turned to me and said, why aren't you talking back? Why are you doing that weird thing where you're not talking back? She liked it. She didn't even know that I was consciously trying to do something. So try that with your kids. Try to just reflect back. Try to be supportive and just say what the feeling is. You know, that must've been frustrating. What did you do then? Oh, that would've been really rough. Reflect back and see how long they'll go. Cause they will talk a lot longer when you don't pipe in with advice. And then if you're not sure if they want advice, you can say, do you want my opinion on this? Um, or do you just need to get it out? And they'll let you know. Now my daughter will tell me, you know, sometimes she'll come up to me and she'll say, okay, what should I do? And that's how we start the conversation. And then I'm like, okay, therapist hat on. She wants my opinion. I'm going to give it to her. And I try not to be um, self like shaming to her or blaming, you know, I try to frame it in a better way, but I know she's wanting my advice. So that is tip number two. The last tip I want to talk about is how to word things differently to get kids to open up. And this is more of my child therapy um, verbal judo that I've had to learn because you can end a conversation really quickly with a a close-ended sentence, you know, like, how are you? Good. Okay, there's not a lot that you wiggle room where you're going to go with that unless they're really chatty. So 
it also can impact how they feel about your question. And I'll give you some examples because this is a little bit vague and it's kind of hard to explain, but, and it's going to seem subtle and really not earth shattering information. It makes a huge difference though in therapy. I can't tell you how much more open kids get when I frame things in a slightly different way. So let me give you an example. Let's say you have a kid who says to you, I hate school. I hate it. I don't want to go anymore. Now you can respond with, and this is going to sound like a very normal response. You can say, why do you hate school? But when you put a why in front of it in a weird way, it sounds a little accusatory. It sounds like maybe they shouldn't hate school and you're questioning why, um, you know, I'm afraid of the dark. Why do you, why are you afraid of the dark? See, it kind of sounds a little accusatory. And even if you don't think so, kids do take it that way. So if you had a kid that said, I hate school, I don't want to go there anymore. It's horrible. Then respond with what's the worst part about it. I love those kind of questions. What's the worst part about it? What's the best part about it? Because there's no assumption there that they shouldn't not have that feeling. It's like, I already get that you have it and that's totally cool. Okay. You hate school. Totally get that. What's the worst part about it? And I don't, I know that's really subtle and you probably are thinking, I don't know, would that really make a difference? Like, why do you hate school versus what, what's the worst part about it? It does. Because when you say, why do you hate school? Most of the time in my therapy practice, I'll get answers like, I don't know. It just sucks. We have to learn things that don't even make any sense. And I don't even feel like I should go. I don't even think that they should have school as an institutional setting. <laughs> you know, Kids will ramble on about the injustice of school, but it doesn't tell me anything. It's just a rant that I hear all the time from tons of kids. But when I ask them, what's the worst part about it? Every kid is going to answer totally differently to that. Some kids will tell me, um, the worst part is fourth hour because my teacher calls on everybody without us volunteering. And so I sit in fourth hour with my heart pounding because I don't know when he's going to call on me. And that is really nerve wracking. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. That tells me a lot about, you know, their anxiety and a lot about what's going on at school versus maybe another kid who says, I hate school because I feel dumb. You know, all the other kids get the answers and I'm always getting D's and F's and I feel really stupid. I mean, you're not going to get the same answer from any two kids when you ask, what is the worst part about it? And that is universal. You can, you can ask what is the worst part or what is the best part about any question and you're going to get a really insightful answer. And then you keep going down, you know, what's the worst part about being called on? Well, it's really embarrassing you know, or what's the worst part about anything? You know, you keep going down, um, that spiral of question or that line of questioning, and it will eventually give you tons of insight into your kid. So I'll tell you another little story about how this helps. So a lot of times we make assumptions about our kids and about why they feel certain ways. And when you ask in this way, uh, you're going to get a lot more information. So last week, it was, um, president's day. And so in my house, we do these like one-on-one -on -one dates with our kids once a month, or we try to, we need to be better about it. So it's just a way to connect with each one of our kids, uh, give them some alone time. So I was taking my son who's seven to this. It's, I don't even know what it's called. It's this laser game and you go in there and 
you try to dodge these lasers. It's like a box. It's not laser tag. It's like a box. You go in there and you have to like hit these buttons on the wall while avoiding the lasers. It's kind of like a James Bondy type of thing. It's pretty cool actually. And so I went in there with him. Somebody had some tickets and they were like, here, you can have our free tickets. Cause we were actually doing something else next to the laser room. And I said, let's go do this. And he said, I don't want to do it. And I, and I had assumed in my head that he didn't want it. Cause actually he went outside. I was like, where are you going? And he like left the building. So I went and followed him. I'm like, where are you going? Well, you just got two free tickets. Come back. Let's go do the lasers. He said, I don't want to do it. And in my head, I thought, oh, I know why, because it's dark and it's creepy. And so I totally with him, I always feel like I know what the problem is. I always feel like I know what his anxiety is. And I'm almost always wrong. He always surprises me. Now my other two, I'm pretty on target with, and with the kids I work with, I'm on target, but with my son, I'm like always off. So I just assumed that he was going to tell me because it was dark and scary because it's dark and they have kind of like a little like mist or smoke in there. And so I did my whole therapy thing and I was like, well, what's the worst part about it? And I was waiting for the obligatory, it's dark and it's scary. And he was like, I don't like it because there's a video and it shows everybody in the waiting area how you're doing. And that's embarrassing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally didn't think that was going to be his answer. And, and I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't said, what's the worst part about it? If I said, why don't you like it? He would probably have come up with some sort of canned answer. Like, um, it's just boring. I don't like it. So that just shows you that when you ask something a little, like what's the worst part about it, you're going to get a deeper response. Another example is let's say your kid comes into the car and they're like, I'm not talking to my best friend anymore. And they're venting and they're angry and they're like a ball of hostility. If you say, well, what did she do to you? They might turn and throw all that anger onto you because they're hormonal and they're upset. And now you're asking, what did she do? And they might perceive that as accusatory because they're so sensitive when they're hormonal or when they're angry. So, but that seems like a very innocent question, right? But it could be perceived or taken in the wrong way when a child's really angry. And so instead of saying, what did she do to you? The other approach that I always say to take is like the ponder approach, the observation approach, kind of like a, a Zen way to look at it. So instead of asking a direct question, when your child's in a really, they're having a really intense emotion, just be observant and say something like, wow, you seem really angry. I wonder what she did to make you that angry. Or you can even use that. Like, let's say, you know, somebody gets in trouble because they hit somebody at school and you're picking them up and you're really angry at your child. And you're like, you know, you want to say, why did you hit him? Like, what is wrong with you? It's better if you really want to know the true uh, reason why your child, you know, acted aggressively or did whatever it is that you're concerned with. Just observe wow, you must've been really angry to hit somebody. I wonder what happened that would make you that angry. Now it's non-judgmental. You're not placing blame anywhere and your child is going to feel like they can open up and tell you, and you're going to want to know the why you're not going to want to just discipline it. Because if you don't know the why, how are you going to teach your child to handle the situation in a better way in the future? So to recap, to get your kids to open up, Hold that little tongue of yours. Do not talk. Let them talk. Don't give advice. You're not dear Abby. Wait until they want it (laughs) and word things differently. You know, what is the worst part about it? What's the best part about it? And 
observe. Wow, you seem really sad. I wonder what happened today to make you that sad. Just make statements and kids will talk. Leave that space and they'll open up. So I hope that helps get your kids to talk a little bit more. I know that it has gotten kids to talk to me in therapy. It just makes that 55-minute session so much better. So that does it for today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast or you are enjoying the work that I'm doing, there is no better way to show your gratitude than to leave a review for me. It will absolutely improve my day. And it makes me feel invigorated to keep making these podcasts. So if you can take the time out of your day to do that for me, I will owe you, I will tell you right now, a big thank you. If you're liking what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe. These podcasts come out twice a week. And so I don't want you to miss an episode. So you can go and subscribe. If you want to find the subscribe button, you can go to anxioustoddlers.com backslash PSP dash zero zero four, because this is the fourth episode and there are subscribe buttons below. So that does it for today. Until next time, I hope you find the sparkle in every day and I'll talk to you in a few days. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com. 